It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am one of your hosts, Bobby Belt, Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl-winning NFL scout and co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Uh, Brian, how you doing? You, you enjoying sunny California so far? I am, and you know what? I had bad flashbacks today on the practice field. Oh, yeah? To which, to which time? When the first 15 minutes of practice were going on, and then all of a sudden, guys are, like, starting to drop because of injuries. The The Washington one happened right in front of me. Yep. Uh, then all of a sudden, Curse came up limping after a play, and I'm like, gosh. And then, even then, we haven't really talked about Isaac Taylor Stewart, one of our guys, walked yeah. off the field today. So they had three injuries within – like 15 to 18 minutes of when they went into that team period. Yeah, and Curse and James Washington. And we'll recap really quickly. Uh, first pad of practice today, uh, James Washington actually didn't even get to team period. That was like the last group of throws down because yeah. making it seven on seven. Yeah. And he took a shot down the field to James Washington. Uh, and, and the reports are out there now and, and will be confirmed, I'm sure, by the time tomorrow morning uh, you guys are hearing this. Uh, James Washington, it's the fifth metatarsal, which right. is the the same bone that Des Bryant broke in 2015, same when DeMarcus Sorens broke last year. Uh, it sounds as though surgery is, is right. what's going to happen, and so that would likely put it more on the 10-week angle. So James Washington, uh, one of the Cowboys' free agent additions, and one of the guys they were really counting on to, yeah. to be there for him while Michael Gallup came back, uh, breaks his foot today, getting kind of tangled up with uh, Trayvon Diggs. And why I say that, that I had flashbacks, it, as a personnel guy, and I was watching Will McClay here, and I know what he was feeling because he went to the trainer, Jim Maurer, quickly. And, like, Maurer would come back from, this is after taking Curson. Maurer's back on the field. Will's going over to try and get an idea of what the hell is going on. But you definitely don't want to go into your, personnel board your emergency board this early in the campaign yeah i mean the names you there's gonna be some names and it's up to us to kind of figure out those names oh we're gonna be working tonight yeah we're gonna be texting people yeah that's you gotta try and figure out maybe and you know they'll they'll probably be a day or two where they'll evaluate yeah probably schedule some like maybe two or three workout guys and maybe and maybe the start of the workout guys Maybe they'll be from the USFL, guys that have actually been yeah. in shape, guys that have actually played games yeah. that they might go after first. And then think about guys who maybe are local. Tack McKinley was a visit for the Cowboys the other day. Tack McKinley is an, uh, an area guy here. So I was talking to people over there. It's like, nah, he's an area guy, visit. Don't worry about it. I was reaching out to some other people. What about Tack McKinley? Everybody that I talk to around the league says, you got the right guy in Fowler as opposed to Tack McKinley. Yeah, Mike McCarthy today during his walk-off, they kind of they brought up McKinley, and 
It was kind of funny how much he kind of just kind of, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah it was a good visit. But yeah. I'm mean, like, he he didn't seem very yeah. enthused about about yeah. the conversation. But, um, man, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to figure this out because I don't think you're when you've got Dennis Houston out there taking first team reps, T.J. Vasher, who T.J. Vasher has had a really good camp so far. Um, you know that that puts you in a bit of a bad spot right now, at receiver, a spot that you were already kind of. Stephen Jones told uh, Corey Majors and Mike Bassett, Kevin Hagelin on 105.3 The Fan while we were out here told them receiver was something they were already looking at looking adding at, to right, right. before James Washington got hurt. Right. And so, uh, you know, just to pull back the curtain a little bit for you guys, uh, we went to go see the Texas Rangers play on Sunday. We're driving back, and we were talking about recording on Sunday night to kind of preview the first pad of practice for you guys. And when we got talking about it, and you know, not to be, uh, y- you know, dark or anything, but we were like, you know, it's first pad of practice. There's probably going to be somebody gets hurt just because it's the, the nature of it. First pad of practice, somebody – inevitably gets hurt in, in that first group of contact. So uh, we, we waited, and, and that was the one today was James Washington. Felt like Curse, you mentioned. Curse kind of – Curse was troubling because he walked, would stop, and then kept he, walking. He, he was – his fists were clenched. He bent over. I wasn't sure if it was a foot, an ankle, a knee. Turned out to be a knee. It, it turned out to be a knee. So that's – you know, when he was trying to walk – it was like he was trying to walk it off, and then I thought he went to the locker room. Uh, uh, Dan Cooper, the team doctor, he started into the locker room because he already had now three guys in there that yep. he was dealing with. So yeah, it, it, it was a it was a troubling moment or a morning for the Dallas Cowboys. And you know, Mike McCarthy, the one thing they've been able to do is keep you know people healthy, you know, through these practices. And Mike yeah. even talked about the sixth practice where we're at, the fifth practice. Yep. You know, all of a sudden now you're dealing with uh, with some injuries, and, and and those injuries honestly took away from what was largely I thought a pretty positive day overall, yeah. especially for the offense. Yeah. They, they were they finally started getting rolling, and and let's dive into some of these uh, things that we saw out there at the practice specifically. Star of the day for you, CD Lamb. Yeah, I mean, and you can maybe say star of the day, Dak Prescott. The way yeah. I mean, because to me, Bobby, I did not see a lot of open throws. No, they were covered I, I mean, pretty tight. I mean, I felt like the defensive backs, the plays that they gave up, I didn't feel like that there was like a, was poor coverage. No. I think Dak did a great job of throwing the football. I thought the anticipation was there throwing the football. I thought the receivers did a good job of getting to where they needed to be. And then when the ball went in the air, they went and got it. So, yeah, you know, uh, C.D. Lamb, Noah Brown, you know, Noah Brown continues to have, and Noah Brown playing as the personal protector on the on the punt team. Yeah. So though that you know, you're trying to think about ways to, you know, Noah Brown's always going to be a special teams guy, but now maybe Noah Brown's going to see is going to have to see more action than you really really thought. But yeah, Dak, I thought that uh, Tyler Smith. I, I you're Man. right, Bobby. I don't know why they just don't go ahead and plug him in at left guard and go it, it, to me, competition's over. Yeah. Like like, and I understand. You know, you, you don't necessarily want to just hand something over to somebody and, and it's just the first pad of practice. But I think what we saw in OTAs, what we saw in minicamp, what we saw in, in you know, the first week of practice. And then when you put the pads on, it became so much more the apparent. Power, the power, so the strength My is so much. word. Yeah. He, he washed. Quentin Bohanna is their biggest one technique. He's the biggest guy on that defensive line. Tyler Smith just moved him in the running game today at times. And. And you had the, uh, you know, the body slam, essentially, of Tristan Hill at one point. And Tristan Hill is a powerful player himself. Right. Um, you know, got him down to the ground. And then the, my favorite play of the day, 
And uh, I don't know if you happen to see it. There was a uh, a play where he pulled to the right yeah. side, and he sealed off Demarcus Lawrence, who came streaking in, and just that sealed block right there that busted Tony Pollard for like a thirty forty yard run. Obviously, they're not like you know totally bringing guys to the ground and everything. Right. And so, but still, he he shot it and had a, a wide open lane to run, and it was because Tyler Smith had sealed off that edge. So I thought Tyler Smith, man, that power is. You talk about okay, what does it translate to when you get to pads? I thought Tyler Smith's power was one of the things that really stood out as like, okay, now that we're in pads, you see it. You see how powerful he is. We've had the opportunity to interview on 105.3 a couple of different defensive players. Yeah. And and when you – Micah Parsons, we've had a chance to interview Dorrance Armstrong today. And to a man, they will tell you about the power that that, that kid has. Yep. That 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 Tyler Smith has it, when he gets his hands on you, and it's quick. You know when he gets his hands on you, th- his body composition now with the way he can move around and just snatch people and throw them to the ground and stuff like that. But you ask Micah Parsons, strong. You ask yeah. you know Dorrance Armstrong, strong. When they're talking about Tyler Smith, yeah. I mean we and we've talked about it that play at OTAs where Micah came off the edge right. and he just. Locked him Stoned up. Him, yeah. and, that, and that's the thing. I think it's uh, one of the things that you, you see it is, is you can almost see it on their body language and their plane. It shocks them. Yeah. When, when he hits them with their hands, they just, they're almost stunned. Well, they have to try, you know, pass rushers. The best thing you could do to a pass rusher is make him have to reset. Because mm-hmm. yep. when they're going full speed, you shock them and then they stop. Then they have to get, well, the ball's gone by then. Yeah. It's the best pass rushers are able to keep their momentum all the way to the quarterback. And what Tyler Smith does, and, and the guys like Tyler Smith, Tyron Smith, you know, Zach Martin, they play really, really, really well with their hands. And, I mean, there's that upper body power. And Tyler Smith's got a ways to go with his hands because we talked about at Tulsa, some of the holding things. But he's doing a lot better job of keeping yeah. those hands inside. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're seeing incrementally it's getting better just about every time we see him. And and that was one of the really exciting things to see today is when the pads came on the way that he looked. But we mentioned already CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott, two big days for them. Uh, I thought that today, one of the other things that translated, you mentioned Noah Brown already. Uh, three guys for me that I was curious, okay, once these pads come on, are we going to continue to see them have good practices like we've seen in shorts and T-shirts? And they did today, and that was TJ Vasher, Noah Brown, and then Rico Dowdle, man. I, you know, on the football field, you speed stands out. Like, when you're faster than yeah. NFL players, that stands out. And I remember Tony Pollard even being a 4-5 or five guy. The game speed is, it's faster than that. And so it, I remember watching Tony Pollard the first time pads came on in 2019, and it was, it, it stood out. It was, whoa, okay, that guy's got some juice. To me, every year now with Rico Dowdle, when the pads have come on, that's a guy who it stands out. He is fast. He is tough to get down. He, he's got really good contact bounce. He's, I, I talked to you guys on G-Bag today about it. It's almost like watching a pinball. He just kind of bounces off of defenders and, and keeps moving forward. Uh, Rico Dowdle, number 23, a guy who I think if not for the injury history would have already been solidified as their third running back. Uh, somebody that's really impressive to me, and I think with us seeing more and more of Tony Pollard when he's been on the field, in receiver looks, much less running the ball. I think through these first several practices, we've actually seen Rico Dowdle functioning more as a running back with the first team than Tony Pollard. Yeah, I totally agree with your assessment on Dowdle and what he's done, and it's nice to see him out there. When they hand him the ball like going sideways, it's not like 
it just stays flat. It gets two steps to the corner, and then it's up and around. So, yeah, and, he, and he's very capable, too, that inside power that he has of hitting that A, that B gap, center gap, guard gap, and then making that cut and then getting up the field. Anybody else uh, stand out to you today in, in practice, either because they disappointed you once these pads came on or, or you thought they stood out and, and had a good practice today? I know we saw a little bit of uh, the kicking competition. Jonathan Garibay, yeah. I think, you know, your prediction so far I think is right. Jonathan Garibay, these first several practices, have been behind Liram Hyralahu, uh, who if not for, you know, slipping on his plant foot on one of those kicks today would have been perfect. I think the pressure, it's funny because I made a point of it to watch the practice yesterday of the warm-up. And then Hyalahu was better than, or excuse me, Garibay was better than Hyalahu. Yeah. And then when it came to the actual lights, camera action, Garibay wasn't as good. He was four of eight. And when he's been missing, and I've stood underneath the goalposts during those warm-ups, when he misses, he's missing left. He's hooking it. He hooks it. And so today... They had opportunity in front of crowd, in front of team, whole special teams, you know, working on these field goals. And you could definitely tell that Hiralahu has the stronger leg. The ball, yeah. the ball does fly off his foot. Or, or, or Garibay. No, in excuse me. Gar- I mean, I'm sorry, Garibay. Yeah, the power is right. much my bad, more with my Garibay. Bad. Yeah. Garibay, you're right. Garibay, you, you could, you could, the ball is higher up on the upright when it goes through. It booms. That it does, and you can, you can see it, and you could, but man, the consistency and the thing I worry about. This is what I worry about: is all of a sudden he doesn't have success in these practices, and he kicks in the game and he doesn't have success, and then you move on from from him, and then he figures it out. Yeah. Then, you know, I mean, sometimes it happens to these kickers where they get, you know, they get into a camp and it, it, it paralyzes them a little bit. Yeah. And they start to feel the pressure. And, you know, he wasn't, he was at 50% yesterday and missed a couple today. So. Not, knocked you, one off the upright. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you're right. Every single time it's, it's hooking to the left. Yeah. Which I hope, I hope what that says to me is, it's a mechanical thing that Bones can identify and say, well, "Hey, look, you're kind of hooking this. Let's yeah. let's work on this." That yeah, would be my hope. Anyway, one of the former uh, one of the scouts, Henry Schroka, who yeah. does work in pro personnel, Henry nothing is, better than seeing Henry lead the jumping no, lines. He, it, it's awesome <laughs> when Henry Henry helps with the kickers and stuff because he has an understanding of that. He's a long time uh, coach in that area and stuff. So hopefully they'll go back and look at that tape. And if it's plant foot or turning the hips or whatever, but the way that the Dallas Cowboys play, especially during the Mike McCarthy administration, there's so many close games, comes down to field goals and stuff like that. I just hope they don't make the wrong decision on the kicker. Yeah, not just so many close games, but Mike McCarthy has shown a willingness to let it come down to the kicker. Yeah, he he, he's shown a willingness. Fifty-eight to, yards to doesn't play, matter. Yeah, yeah, to play things a little yeah. bit more conservatively and not to, like he 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 yeah. will let it come down to the kicker. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star. Uh, the Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your buddies about it, too, if yeah, you would. Yeah, please do. Yeah. yeah. You know, download, uh, download the episodes multiple times. Listen yeah. to it multiple times, why don't you? 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Uh, now I want to transition over to uh, a little bit of a conversation, a broader one of the whole week of practice that we've seen now. And that's just some of these guys that have had really impressive camps so far. So, Brian, uh, anybody? I, I've got a list of names that I can run through, but I'm just curious from you right oh, up go the ahead. top. I mean, I'm interested to hear what yeah, you got. So I, I think that we've talked about this. I think naturally receiver is a position that in these training camp practices – allows for you to have some flashy moments and sure. to be a winner. Um, and so it, typically I think when you look through these things that you'll you'll find there are a lot of receivers out there. That's why there's a Noah Brown probably and things like that. But uh, I think that one of the guys that stands out to me uh, and, and somebody that Mike McCarthy gave a lot of praise to on Friday, somebody who keeps showing up in these practices as we look at like who are the winners uh, through five practices with, you know, coming up through this first pad of practice today, uh, Anthony Brown has been, yeah. I, I think, arguably the most I thought you were talking about receivers. I didn't know you were going to. No, 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 no. I'm saying I think you've got anybody. a lot of receivers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you. yeah. I think you've got a lot of receivers, and so I, th- I think we're going to probably throw out a lot of those names. But outside of that, um, I, I think Anthony Brown has been a guy who has maybe been the most consistent player throughout all these practices. I, I hope I don't shock everybody listening to our wonderful podcast. I think Anthony Brown's been the best player in camp. Yeah. I mean, I think I think he's had the most consistent. He's been every single day. Just every about, single he's been day, near the top as one of the better every players. single day. And and I don't know how much one on one we're going to get from Mike McCarthy. I mean, with under the Jason Garrett administration, every day at practice you got the one on one wide receivers and all that stuff like that. I kind of feel like though that we might not get a whole heck of a lot of that. But when you look at Anthony Brown, whether it's positioning, route recognition, coverage. Staying with guy, whatever, however you want to describe it, he's been a difficult guy to throw on. I mean, he is a guy that offhand positioning, you know, all those things. I think have been super, super positive about Anthony Brown. If you said right now, give me best camp player, you know, I would say Anthony Brown would be that guy for me. Yeah, and I think that even today, a, a day where Dak was really efficient and the offense was really good, he was still in really good position a lot of the times. It's just yeah. they were making great catches. Dak yeah. was threading the needle. Um, and, and so I think that that's, you know, even today with the offense winning, I think Anthony Brown and the rest of the defense had a generally good day. Uh, the receivers to me, uh, you know, Noah Brown, we already mentioned, TJ Vasher, we mentioned who had to yeah. play a camp on, on Friday, the, the falling backwards, uh, one-handed grab uh, in the corner of the end zone with Kelvin Joseph on him. Uh, but somebody else, a, a couple other guys, I, I, I had Jalen Tolbert as one of my winners, mm-hmm. and, and I still think he, he's had a good camp. He was a little quiet today, though. It was very quiet when the pads with came on. With the pads on. coming on, I, yeah. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get some more flash from him. CD, obviously, I, I I think the T-shirt and short practices, I think I might say Jalen Tolbert had had better practices right. than CD. Right. Now that the pads came on, CD was a stud today, and Jalen Tolbert a little quiet. Um, but but overall, I think Tolbert's had a good camp. Just a little, good camp. Just a little disappointed he didn't he didn't flash today. Simi Fajoko showed up today on a deflected yes. ball. Uh, if and. The ball was going to go to, I believe it's the Schultz. And, and Fajoko happened to be in the vicinity. And Schultz went up, ball clicked off his hands, and Simi was in a good spot to grab it. So good awareness on, but 
I, I noticed him a little bit more today, not just because of that one play, yeah, but some of the route running and stuff like that. Yeah, and then seven on seven, Simi had a a play where Dak had underthrown the ball a little bit. He he got yeah. a step behind Kelvin Joseph. And he reached up and just really strong hands, basically yeah. just snatched yeah. it away before Kelvin Joseph could do anything to punch it out. Yeah. I think Simi Fajoko's definitely had a, a, a good camp so far. And that's building on what had been a quiet OTAs. But then you remember at the end of OTAs and then into that mini camp practice, we were kind of seeing Simi a little bit. Like, little okay, bit there's yeah. some, some flash in here. And I know that's what the Cowboys want out of him is a little bit more consistency. And so I think that that stands out. But, you know, obviously the receivers are there. Talked about this guy a little bit already. Rico Dowdle to me. It has, has had a, a nice camp, and I think that they're showing a lot of trust in him and that he's been in the first team as much as he has. Uh, I think with him, it's just about can he stay healthy. Um, but, but you know, I thought that there was going to be more of a competition between Malik Davis and Rico Dowdle, but with Dowdle seemingly healthy, I think they yeah. clearly like Dowdle yeah, more. That's, and, and Davis will get his opportunity in, in these games and stuff like that, but Dowdle has looked the best. If I could say something about something that didn't catch my eye the right way today. Yeah, go ahead. And – and I noticed, and I, I, I think I had this right when I was looking at it. Alec Lindstrom got in there to snap a couple of different times. Yeah. And it was back-to-back with Cooper Rush. Yes. And they fumbled both snaps. Yeah. In fact, I don't remember if it was before or after Lindstrom, but then there was another fumble with a different player in Rush. Rush fumbled three straight three snaps. Three straight. Three straight. Which is unheard of. Yeah. And it was, and it was, it was weird because with Lindstrom, it just went back-to-back, and – he was a guy, and, and maybe, you know, if you look at where he came from in Boston College, playing with a lot of shotgun and stuff like that, maybe not so much used to stuff coming from underneath center. But, man, you, you can't just give up plays back-to-back like that with just fumbled snap. Looked very, very sloppy on the offensive end of it. Uh, I'm curious, and you tell me as the scout if this would be a factor. Is there any chance that's the issue of dealing with one of those rare left-handed centers? Well, that's a good – that is a really, really, really good thought. I wonder if that has because, anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, because he is. He's and, a, and I don't know who the other center was. If it was James Empey, I think Empey's a left-handed center too. And so – I'll have to go back and look at my notes. So I'll have to, but I do know that Lindstrom's a lefty, and those are pretty rare with the centers. Yeah. Um, so that just makes me wonder if that, that gave it some odd hitch that yeah. they're not used to and not that may have been that, strange. Not exactly. Might be a question for Joe Philbin when yep. we get going later this week. Yep. Um, but some of the other winners so far, I, I think guy we've talked about a lot, somebody who's given Tyler Smith a lot of problems, Connor McGovern, everybody on the interior. Also, Diggy Zoo has been yeah. really, really good. And he's he's been flashing that spin move, which I don't think we saw a lot of last year. Um, but he, he seems to know exactly when to drop it in these practices and, and how to use it effectively. He he's been really impressive, and, and my word, that man looks like an Abercrombie model right now. Yeah. He he is ripped. Uh, I I was talking to somebody the other day about him. Uh, he's playing at about three oh seven right now, and mm-hmm. he's carrying it well. He I, I think Oso Digizua has been one of the better defensive linemen they've had all camp. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you because I felt like when it was t-shirts and shorts, you were going to see his quickness. Yep. You know, but carrying over to pads today, you did see that quickness as well. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I think that when we're talking about these winners, I, I think it's easy to just obviously, you know, Tyron Smith's a very good player. Zach Martin's a very good player. But I do want to point out that, you know, even though I think everybody's expecting Micah Parsons to be better, I think Micah Parsons has, looks like he's primed to be better than he was last year. Again, I think you and I have talked about maybe the production's not the same. Yeah. He could be a better player and not have the same production. And Mike McCarthy even said that in his press conference the other day is that, hey, look, you guys, he, he may be a better player and not necessarily have 13 sacks this year. 
I was going to ask you something about that, and I, and I think you're right, because I think there has been some times where Micah Parsons has rushed and he hasn't tagged off on Dak, where, or the quarterback, you know, he hadn't tagged off. Yes. Where it could have been a sack, or it could have been a quarterback hit, or it could have been a pressure. A lot of number 11 in the backfield on this A lot stop. of number 11 in the backfield, and... We we got to be careful here. Yeah, he, he's pulling up a little too close yeah. to, to your quarterback. He is pulling they, up they, thumb they to banged, helmet. They oh banged, yeah, they banged kneecaps yeah. on. I think it was it was Thursday or Friday last week. But when I first saw it, it was oh, just kind of well, it, it made I, your heart stop for I'll a second. I tell you what, one time I looked up and uh, you know Will Greer was standing in the pocket and there were blitzers laying all over the ground in front of him. Yeah. You know, like they were trying to like the the safeties. Uh, I think it was McQuamu or might have been it might have been him or right. Somebody was laying right, you know, they had blitzed and got knocked to the ground and so there I mean there was just a lot of bodies. I almost got knocked to the ground by Israel McQuamu today. Did you really? He came streaming in, I just moved out of the way just at the last the second. He had to use me to stop okay, himself. I noticed on the Twitter questions and today and yeah. people were asking about steel. And I can't say that I've seen where I've just gone, wow, Steele's doing – I feel like I've seen more positive of ball, and it's not that I hate Steele. I, I just – I'm just looking for that. And, and a lot of it, like back in the day, I used to be able to watch the tape after practice Yeah. when I was DallasCowboys.com, and I don't get that opportunity when I think we I need, see – We need some, to go pick locks or yeah, something. Yeah, we need to do something, get something, get that taken care of. But I've, I haven't noticed Steele good or bad. Yeah, he's he's been he's been pretty anonymous overall, which yeah. to me says that that's a that's better than noticing him. Yeah. I did notice he ended up on the ground once today, okay. Which I know you that's not a sign you like to see when I, a player th- struggles with no, power. Yeah, that when they end up on the ground, I think that we we talked about this previously. There was either the it was, I think it was the first practice. He in in two minute he was really good against Michael Parsons. He had one series where he won just about every rep against Parsons. But there have been a few times where it's, yeah. you know, he's, as you've talked about, the athleticism's great. He can deal with athletic edges push, really well. Just push, push, push him out of the pocket, yeah. Yeah. get him up the field, right. don't let him run the arc, you're good. When it's that power, yeah. that's when he troubles him. And some of these times. Can't set his feet even, fast enough. Yeah, even with the athleticism. Some of it's if they start going out and they hit that quick Euro step or that quick inside swim, yeah. he has some trouble with that. But, yeah, I, I don't know that I've noticed good or bad today. I was trying to watch him today, like I said. I noticed once he fell down. I will say this, and I don't know if you noticed this. We didn't uh, talk about this at all, so so you may have viewed it differently. Do you feel like today the offensive line I felt like was definitively winning the run blocking, but I felt like the pass rushing, yeah. the defense was getting I pressure felt like easily. I felt like there were there were holes there inside, and there was holes or there was opportunity on the outside. But when it came to having to throw, I think the last few days there was, the quarterbacks have had to move more. Than today, but you kind of felt like there was. Some... I, felt, I felt like the run blocking today yeah, for the offensive yeah. line was a lot better than the yeah, pass absolutely, blocking. Yeah, and so that that was one. And you just mentioned the guy there. That's somebody that I had as one of my winners. I wrote a, an article uh, on Monday about some of the winners I had from camp heading into the pad of practice. One of them was Josh Ball, yeah. the guy who we were all leaving for dead. You, I, you and I. I, I. I'm the I'm the most guilty. And every time you've listened to me do radio on 105.3 or come on this podcast. I kind of feel like the first fight of the the camp was almost him and Sam Williams going at it. Yeah, and he had Sam Williams hooked up pretty well, and Sam was trying to get away, and then it became down to whistle had blown, whistle had blown, and 
like like Josh Ball was still hanging on. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna let you go kind of a thing. And Sam Williams took a little offense to that. But yeah, I I feel like that right now, if you had to give the most surprising player award, I would say that Josh Ball was the one I was not my expectations of Josh Ball were very, very low. Yeah, because and, and I think today was a big day for both of us for watching him because we were surprised at how he'd look, but today it's like, okay, well, how's that power look? Yeah. And I, I I, think that he looked, he was holding his own. Like you say, yeah. he, he locked up, you know, Sam Williams for that. The foot quickness, the movement skills have looked really good from him in these practices. He looks like a different player than we saw even in OTAs. Yeah, OTAs, I, he couldn't block anybody. Couldn't block anybody, yeah. And, and I, I think that, that was something you saw last year, so... I mean, if, if things are clicking for him, that's great. They could definitely use it, especially now that Matt Willett's go, who we mentioned last week, had missed some practice. We were told today by Mike McCarthy he's not going to practice at all this week. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're kind of contemplating surgery at this point. Um, so they trying are trying to strengthen de- up that subluxation. Yeah. Yes, yes. They are definitely going to need – they're basically trying to figure out right now, is this something he can play through? He's been out there at practice. He'll do the jumping jacks with them and everything like that. Um, but – Kind of trying to figure out right now if they're going to have Matt Willett's go go through surgery or not. Uh, but uh, Josh Ball, they definitely will need him to step up yep. if that's the case because they're going to need him to to kind of function as swing tackle yep. at that point. And he and they've gotten him some reps at left side, so that's been good. Um, somebody else that's been impressive to me through some of the drills and seeing some of the stuff. I actually, I, I know they said his offense was secondary. I thought Cavante Turpin's looked pretty good out here. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's somebody who you know. And he's got he's springy. He's got some hops. Watch yep. him go through these drills. He'll he can get up. They've given him some end around, some jet sweeps. He's looked good there. He caught uh, the ball well in the punt return aspect. Yes, too. him yes. and Tolbert were back there catching fielding punts. Which Tolbert, I, I know we were watching really closely mm-hmm. um, because we hadn't really seen him catch punts yet. Um, but I thought he did a really good job of some of the punts that were offline, some right. of the wobblers that were there. He did a good job tracking them and, and didn't muff them at all. Yeah. So that that was something that there, there's explosiveness to his game. There's no question. If I could focus on a guy in defense, yeah. I actually have seen Nishan Wright show up in some stuff, yeah. too. You know, and I'm talking about, like, if, if first really noticed when it was shorts and T-shirts down in the red zone, fourth and need to score. Broke up Vasher. Broke up Vasher the on the pass, yep. yeah. And so, and then today I saw him. I think he had a knock. Had a break, up, had a had break, break up, up on Dak and yeah. had an interception of Will Greer. Exactly. So, a little bit better from Nashawn Wright uh, trying – I've, I've noticed him more than, say, Kelvin Joseph, who I feel like has been in position, just hasn't been able to finish like you'd like him to. Yeah, Vasher had that viral catch over mm-hmm. him. We talked about, um, you know, uh, Simi Fajoko getting yeah. that, that catch over him in 7-on-7 seven seven today. So, uh, absolutely something that, uh, you know, uh, Kelvin Joseph, it's not going to be enough. You can't be Cheeto Ouzia. You can't no. just be in position and then have him make catches over you. Um, but but good to see Nashawn Wright, who we didn't really get to see this over the spring practices no. because he had he had been hurt. He had been in the training room a lot. So actually seeing him on the field, uh, a lot of encouraging stuff there. Uh, you're listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. Uh, you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're going to bring back, after, after being absent last week, we're going to bring back everybody's favorite segment, and that's the mailbag segment. We'll turn it over to you for your questions. All right, so the uh, first question here comes from at Dal underscore cow. Mm. And he says, are Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, and Sam Williams all exclusively right side players? Basham seems like a fringe 53 guy, but he's the only one I've seen rush from the left 
behind D-Law. So this is an interesting question to me, especially now that they move Golston inside because right. Golston was kind of a... a primary left-handed yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. He, he was kind of a mini yeah. Demarcus Lawrence. Right. Um, you know, we've seen these guys mainly rushing. I think Fowler's exclusively right. Right. Um, I would, or correct. I, I would guess Dorrance Armstrong was... I think just knowing uh, Sam Williams' skill set, I think Sam Williams could play left if they needed to. Well, I think so too. And I think I, I've seen him play left at, at Ole Miss. I asked Dorrance Armstrong that question today about playing left and right, which side he thought was his best side. And he says the majority of his life he's played on the left-hand side because he's been used to having to play against tight ends and tackles and stuff and take on running plays and things. He's, and I'm like, well, has that affected you in any way? He says, no. I, he goes, I feel like, though, they want me to play more on the right side. He goes, and I don't have a problem with the right side. He goes, it's a different way to rush. But he goes, I've been primarily a left a left side player during my career. So, you know, if 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 given the opportunity, I think you could use him I think he would prefer to be a left side player, but don't be surprised as he continues to get work on the right side to see if he could be that that guy as well. Daniel Henshaw says, I know it's early, but did you see any evolution in Kellen Moore's play calling? Now I will I will just say right off the bat, and I think I've referenced this before on the show. Um, I think training camp is really tough to see any of that. A lot of that stuff that they're doing is done in install during the yeah. offseason during practices that they don't let us see. The, the one thing I know we've talked about a little bit, not so much, much the play calling, but I think we are seeing slight evolutions in Tony Pollard's really been kind of lining up as a receiver more yeah. than a back at a lot of times. And you're seeing some of those, uh, those pivot routes, those little yeah. whip routes that – uh, you know, have, have been kind of absent from the playbook mm-hmm. during Kellamore's time. It looks like it's back in there this year with some of the uh, routes the receivers are running. Uh, but overall, any takeaways for you from how Kellen Moore has looked like he's installing the offense? No. Be- and don't say anything about a sluggo route. No, I'm not at all because, <laughs> well, you know, what, what, I've, what I've noticed, though, is with the Kellen Moore, you mentioned the movement, the really the tighter, the, the formation with C.D. Lamb playing tight, working across the formation. You mentioned the pivot routes, things like that. The running game looks pretty much the same as far as the inside handoffs, the zone plays, the stuff like that that they want to use. Um, Creativity-wise, I can't say that it's anything, you know, because, you know, you're looking at route combinations. They haven't made a whole lot of wow plays. You know, the wow plays that they've tried – Dak has missed on the overthrow on those deep balls. He's been over or under. Yeah, he, yeah. And I think so, that's a, f- a function of still trying to figure out your exactly, with your receivers. Exactly. You know, but down in the down in the, the you know down in the goal line down the red zone, you know, defense I thought did a pretty good job. There was a couple of times uh, I think two days ago where they had some red zone success. I think Washington had a catch. Yep. Uh, they that was had Saturday. Yeah, they've had they've had the uh, the tight ends had made some plays, but it. Doesn't look like it's you know if you were if you were really really just looking at it overall, they haven't made a lot of those wild plays. And to me, wild plays are the ones of an evolution of is he doing something that Dan Quinn in this defense isn't picking up? Is he confusing? Yeah. And it seems like to me, man, especially today, that defense was on point, but the receivers were able to make some great catches, and Dak made some really tough throws. So I'm going to adjust this question a little bit from uh, Randall Walker. His question is this. He says, you can choose any route to run and any receiver to run it to win the game for the Cowboys. 
Uh, which and whom do you choose? And I, I don't think he's trolling me, but he says personally he'd take CeeDee Lamb on a sluggo. But because that could be, uh, you, you know, a little wide, I'll go ahead and say say you're you're at the, the 10. You're, 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 you know, last play of the game, you're at the 10-yard line. Brian, when you're looking at, at who are you targeting there and, and what route, I personally, and I know some people are going to hate to hear this, I think I'm looking for Schultz on some sort of option route. Yeah, that's where it was funny you say that because I was going through my head. The the catch that Lamb made in the Minnesota game that one year was down yeah, falling there. Falling back. Falling backwards and the way he was extending and all that. Uh, last year, Maury Cooper had a great catch in the game and against Minnesota down in the red zone. I, If you had to tell me a guy to get open down there, I kind of feel like that Michael Gallup could go up and get a football for you if you had to. I don't necessarily want to throw 50-50 balls, but I think you're on to something with Schultz. I think Schultz would find space, especially if you put him on the backside, move the pocket, you know, send flow, those waggles, the boots, or have him, he's really good at lining up on the right side, everything going to the left. Clear out. And then stuff. clear, and then he comes over, and he just kind of works his way through the trash to get to the, or works the back in line, you know, and, and kind of find space. I think the I think the most reliable guy to throw the ball to down there in that red zone would be Schultz. Yeah. I think he would make the play because I, I think he's somebody who's got strong hands. He's somebody who can yeah. make a catch with somebody on his, his back. back. Yeah. Um. But I mean, like outside of just Schultz, I think Gallup is a good one. Um. If you do have to throw a fifty-fifty ball, I think yeah. Gallup is probably the one I go with. But also, I think Gallup's got a a really great ability. We've seen it a lot. Um to do that toe drag yeah. on the side. So I feel like yeah. if you were, you know, running some sort of like corner or something like that, I think you could, you know, him, find him. Hit him and let him get his feet So, down so I think those are some of the routes I'd look at. A, a corner to, to Michael Gallup or, or some sort of something, option something route to that, Schultz. Something that starts on the right side and drags all the way across. I think those are the ones you, you would probably hit. Uh, this question from uh, Deterius Jones, and I, I had tweeted out something about this recently, so so this is more, I think, based off of something that I said, and, and so maybe you would uh, change your mind on this, on what I said, but he says, uh, Deterius says, uh, why does Brian feel like quarterbacks don't hit their mental peaks uh, until, uh, until seven to eight years in the league? Uh, that's when they seem to play the most consistent mental part of the game. Because um, I had talked about uh, Dak Prescott turned 29 uh, on Friday, and uh, you know, I, I had done some research and, and looked at some notes that said, general, like a lot of quarterbacks, most quarterbacks over the last twenty years, their age twenty nine season on, their passer rating is higher than their first several years. And just my own explanation before you know, I let you jump in is, I think it's the the arm does not deteriorate as fast as some of the other positions traits like speed and quickness and some of that that's going to go downhill faster in your 30s than the arm strength I feel like and I think with quarterback it being such a mental position and you seeing so much football and you gathering so much knowledge I think around 30 31 32 that's when it all kind of harmonizes and goes all right you've still got you know big physical talent over here and then now the mental part of the game and it all comes together to be as strong of a player as you can be uh, but that's just my own explanation. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. No, I, you know, it's funny because we got a discussion today on the G-Bag Nation, and that's where the question, I believe, is coming from was the discussion. I just kind of felt like in year seven, we needed to be beyond the, well, Dak is, you know, Dak is still learning this. And Dak, you know, I, it, yeah. I kind of felt like that, man, if this, is we, if this is year two or three and you're starting to talk about, well, Dak is, 
know, he needs to figure out this or figure out that. I get it. He's a really, really young guy. But, like, he's a veteran quarterback now. You know, and, and you're, you're, the things that you're, you know, the it's I, I struggle because we still honestly are treating him like he's a second or third year guy. You know, and I'm thinking, well, how the hell does guys like, you know, Allen and Buffalo and these young quarterbacks, how do they look like that they're better and ready and, you know, and they're not, and they don't struggle with the, uh, you know, the society. Yeah. I, I, I know it sounds confusing. No, no, as no, hell. no. I, 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 I totally, I totally get what you're but saying. But it's like, it's but at the like, same time, there are, there are the Bradys and the Breezes of the world who they played their most elite football by far into, into this time. No question. Breeze and especially I, I, was a late I bloomer. Think that, I think that Dak, I think Dak, because we got in a discussion today, physically, I think Dak is just as good as Josh Allen. Physically. Physically. I, but, I, I but, think Allen's got a better arm, but yeah, yeah. I think. But, but I'm saying, but, yeah, but if you talk body about body, yeah. toughness, leadership, yeah. you know, all those intangibles, but why are we talking about Dak still trying to kind of figure things out? You know? Yeah, that 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 I'm just saying. Like, I guess I guess for me, I thought he did figure it out in 19 and 20 in the first half of 21, and so I just write off the second half of last year to being, you know, getting in his head a little bit, and not that he hasn't figured it out. I think he just he he temporary, temporarily. Do we treat him like he hasn't figured it out? I mean, I don't. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't know if others do, but I, I think he. I think he's got a pretty good handle on things. I think you see if you were to compare. His games from 2016, 17. If you, I think if you just watched consecutively, here's yeah. a game from 16, 17. I think you'd see, wow, that's not the same player. Yeah. And so I think that I think he has figured out a lot. And I think pre-snap, we don't give him enough credit. I know some people like to criticize him post-snap. I think pre-snap, he's one of the better ones at, at recognizing where the mismatch yeah. is and, and you see, know, where that's, to go with I, maybe maybe it's because of me. I, I I just expect more. But I think if you're in year seven, you need to. St- need to have it figured out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, but like I said, I think this is where quarterbacks about now, se- year seven, eight is where they start hitting their prime. And yeah. so if they, in theory, this would be where Dak would start showing that this is his prime and he's going to yeah. play better football than he ever has. Uh, next question here from Andrew Amini. And this is an interesting one because I, I know we, this is something we've given Mike McCarthy credit for. Uh, can the extra attention paid to avoid injuries by Mike McCarthy actually be causing them, i.e. not practicing enough, causing the body to not be ready to handle a full season. Just seems like we've had awful injury luck since he's been here. Most healthiest team going into the playoffs last year, weren't they? They were, but I mean, I think you look at in 2020, uh, Tyron Smith uh, got hurt uh, to an extent that he hadn't before. I think that you look at Dak being hurt three different times. I think that's more kind of stuff through, I guess, key injuries, key yeah, like star Dak, injuries. We've had more of those. Maybe Dak got hurt. And training, okay, let's go to Dak's injury. The he broken was, ankle, that's a fluke. fluke. Okay, he was pulled down in a tackle. The uh, defender, you know, boom, got uh, Bradbury, throws his body in the back of his ankles. Ankles get bent. Ankles get yeah. broke. That's it. Okay, the training, the shoulder, the training camp. He Which was hurt on a Hail Mary drill. Yeah, he was throwing the ball. Yeah, so that was. I mean, you, you could say that that was just. You know, is that more, unfortunate? Yeah, I mean, you could say that's now. Now, some people I think would argue that that was set up to happen because of how much he was working during the off season. I though. think that's what I'm saying though, because I was talking to people and everybody. Now, now they do have a bad history of soft tissue injuries because Sean yeah. Lee for years, and yeah. then last year they had three bad calf injuries that hurt him: Dak, Michael Gallup, and Randy Gregor. So, I mean, you may be able to point some to some soft tissue stuff, but I don't know that that's because of McCarthy's management of injuries. Yeah, I'm trying to think because. The, the calf 
injury for Dak was the last throw of the New England game, right? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it, he's throwing it. He comes down. Comes down a little funny. Awkwardly, is that Mike McCarthy's fault, or is that a I'm having to make a play and I land funny kind of a thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that maybe we could write it off to that. I, I think that's more. Am I just, and I, maybe I shouldn't be just focusing on Dak, but I also think Tyron Smith has some bad luck. I always say this about Tyron Smith. Somebody's fallen down in the pocket. How many times have we seen da- uh, Tyron Smith have uh, yeah, a, I think knee, the knee, a knee? The knee against Minnesota last knee, year was that. A knee, an ankle. Somebody falls in the back of his ankle or falls in the back of his knee and then he gets hurt. You know? Yeah. Are, are there other injuries that we feel like McCarthy's? I'm, I'm, I'm asking a question. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm scanning through my head some of the bigger injuries we've had. We had Trayvon Diggs break his foot. That was Jalen Smith playing a little reckless we had, and out of control. We had uh, we had, uh, uh, had Tank broke a bone in his foot during a practice, right? Yep. That's that a, was just on a simple pass rush. Yeah. Hey, look, I think if you want to if you want to look at anything and go, hey, that's not quite right, you can look at the soft tissue injuries. They've had issues with calves and hamstrings for years. And last year it all came together and they had three really big ones. But I don't know that that's so much about the workload at practice. That that may be, you know, related to something different. I don't think McCarthy trying to, you know, pull their, their workload back would cause the soft tissue the, stuff. The, the but I'm trainers, also not a doctor. I could trainers, be talking on my ass. No, you're not because the <laughs> trainers told me, and I asked this question about it, I said, hey, how's McCarthy as far as caring about injuries and stuff? The trainers told me, he goes, by far the best coach we've ever had when it comes to caring about the players and how they're hurt or they're not hurt or what's wrong with them, what do we need to do better, that kind of thing. They, they, these trainers swear by Mike McCarthy when it comes to having a team ready health-wise. Yeah, and I think other players across the league who have played for Mike McCarthy would tell oh, that he took care of my body. Yeah. He, made sure he, he well, added and, years and, to my career. Rod Marinelli has a history of working really, really, really hard at practice, and players that played defense for Rod Marinelli will tell you and they, that, they love Rod, but they will tell you. Yeah, he works their ass took off. years off of my career. Yeah, exactly. Back into my career. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and they, they love him. And, yeah. and they don't fault him for it, but they will say, I remember one of the guys on the Cowboys defensive line told me, they're like, the games were easy because practices were just, we were run so hard. Right, right. And so, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I don't think that, you know, that we've had some key injuries. I don't know that there's been a ton of injuries, though. I think it's just been bad luck with who it's been. It's been right. a lot of specific big players. All right, uh, Brian, that's it. We got uh, two more episodes this week because we're doing three a week now. There you go. So we're going to be here watching these practices. Hopefully, uh, like I said, Brian and I are going to try and run down who the the heck this new receiver is going to be because they're going to have to go out and get somebody. Dennis Houston can't be starting out there in week one. But, uh, Brian, I appreciate it as always. Yes, sir. And uh, we will talk to you guys again later this week.